Everybody, welcome to Playmakers Perspective. Our goal here at Playmakers Perspective is to give women, football players, and others involved in the game an outlet to share their thoughts on the NFL through their unique perspective as players and women around football. Live the game, talk the game, elevate the game. I'm Katie Falkowski. I am here with Faith Worrell. Welcome, Faith. Yes, I'm so excited to launch the first official episode, talk about some football, some off-season, and some preseason. So, Heck yeah, so we, we did a little preview ep last week. Big thank you to everybody who listened. I feel like sometimes people need like social proof or want to think something's cool before they follow and get on board. So if you're listening right now, we appreciate you because you are a true supporter of Faith, Katie, and women's football, and, and, and maybe just a big fan of the NFL. So thank you guys so much for being some of the first people to join the Playmakers uh, Perspective community. We're hoping that this community just grows and grows, so we appreciate you helping to spread the word. Absolutely. And our best compliment was that we were not cringy. So hopefully we will keep that streak going. Um, no guarantees. Hopefully we will, <laughs> will not be too, uh, too cringy for you guys. And I just wanted to shout out Faith here before we get rolling, because <laughs> I think a lot of people have ideas for something, but Faith had the vision and is making it a reality. And that's the hard part, I think, is not just to have the idea, but to put in the work when you don't know the outcome. And so Faith, Cheers to you for your our first podcast here, Off and Rolling. Well, cheers for you for being like, I don't know what's happening, but I'll do it with you. So we're in the best way to learn is to do. That's what I think. So here we are. Exactly. Here we Doing are. Doing the damn thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> All right. So this past week, there is so many storylines that that came up in the NFL. And today we're going to really be looking at the offseason as a whole, which there's so much stuff. It would be impossible for us to hit on all of the things that have happened since the Super Bowl. So we're not even really going to try, but we're going to dive into a couple different topics today and then a couple next week before the, the season really gets started. No offense to preseason games, but I think we're all <laughs> eager for the real season to get started. Um, Absolutely. So today we're going to take a quick look at teams getting down to those 53-man ro rosters and a brief overview of preseason and our thoughts around that. We're also going to give a league roundup where Faith and I each give three storylines from the offseason that we're excited to watch play out. Faith's going to give her photographer's perspective on who she thinks won the offseason on the content end of th things, which is interesting to me. And then we're just going to talk about a few of the playmakers. We're excited to do their thing this season. Absolutely. Well, I know this being roster cut day yesterday, we are still trying to keep up with everything that is happening. Um, I know Ian Rappaport's had a busy couple of days tweeting everything out. Um, but yeah, we're going to start by talking about the 53-man roster. I mean, it is a huge cut down to go from 90 players to 53. Obviously, 16 will make it on the practice squad, but there's a human element involved here. Like, you are cutting down, you know, 30-some guys off your roster um, that have been working hard in the preseason, the training camp, you know, they, there's that human element. And I think it's, you get lost in all of the shuffle of, you know, just all these different players getting shuffled around, but like, they have to move, like they have to up and move and, you know, hope that they don't get a call on roster cut day, but 
kind of what's your thought through, you know, living through yesterday and seeing all of the roster cuts that were made? Yeah, I think, you know, I want to say first off, it's, it's so quick as you're talking about things to just put names and, and forget the human element. So it's important to me that we say, hey, this is guys' lives that we're talking about. Um, so so keep that in mind as we go. But I'm going to start talking about the Patriots because, like <laughs> we said, we're Pats fans. <laughs> I was shocked that uh, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham both got waived. We saw earlier that they did get picked up on their practice squad. A fun fact for listeners, we actually had to start this podcast recording later <laughs> because the Patriots just released their practice squad. And Faith, what were you doing? I was working. So <laughs> work does not stop at 5 p.m. So yes, the Patriots, as of about 30 minutes ago, released 15 players on the practice squad. Um, and so I was busy uploading that and had to delay the podcast a little bit. But yeah, I, I honestly couldn't believe it with Zappy and Cunningham as well. I mean, you know, you look at that quarterback room that obviously is led by Mac Jones, but it got cleared out pretty fast. And I mean, obviously within a 24 hour span, they are back in the building sort of on the practice squad, but there were certainly some people shaking their heads, wondering what was going on to clear out the rest of that room. Yeah, for sure. Faith and I were texting. She's the one who broke the news <laughs> to me when this happened. And of course, uh, like the delusional Tom Brady fangirl that I am, I immediately was like, Tommy's coming back. Uh, even though I know that that's not true. We were talking about maybe even Colt McCoy, who got released from the Cardinals. He seems like he might be a good fit to kind of mentor uh, Mac Jones. But I think at the end of the day, Mac has been the guy. It's been pretty clear coming out of camp that he's going to be the guy, even though, you know, people had a lot of positive things and there was a lot of like fan mania around Zappy last year. It just didn't seem like he was really giving Mac a fight through the preseason here. Yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing like sitting on your couch at home and seeing Ian Rappaport tweet that Bailey Zappy is gone. Um, that was definitely how I found out about the news and just seeing that was Shocking, because I felt like, you know, he didn't have his best showing in the preseason, but I felt like he's still somebody that can benefit the team, especially if Matt gets injured like he did last year. Um, but always trust the process with Bill, and they are back in the building um, if they ever really left in the last 24 hours. But who knows? Brady will be back for week one. Maybe it's not a halftime ceremony after all. You know, yeah, he's coming out of the <laughs> coming out onto the field. Who knows? Uh, and Malik yeah. Cunningham, I was also surprised by that because he seems like fun, like a fun electric player to watch. So I, you know, like you said, he is signed to the practice squad. Who knows what that's going to mean? Uh, but I would like to see him on the real roster at some point and see what he can do, whether that's as a receiver, maybe have some fun packages that he's out there as Q. Who knows? Uh, but Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham, they were waived, but then picked up today and put on the practice roster by the Patriots. So still in the organization. Yes. Uh, moving on to Jonathan Taylor. And I'm going to talk more about Jonathan Taylor with some running back recap stuff. But he was put on the pup list, which means that he is going to not be able to play in the first four games of the season. And that really is coming down to seemingly just contract disputes, him and Jim Ursay not being able to come to any sort of agreement. So unfortunate for fans of football, because I think Jonathan Taylor is a really fun running back to to watch play. I wish that he was going to be out there, but that was some news that we just got in the last couple of days that he's been put on the pup list. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy too, just seeing that play out on Twitter and everything. I mean, like you said, I think that's a hit for football fans. I think especially as we're in an age where running backs value is being questioned or kind of put to the test, I think like 
it's a shame that he's not going to be in the first four games because I think he brings a lot to their team. And I think once he's back, he's going to definitely be a playmaker for sure. Trey Lance, he's a cowboy. What do you think? Oh, well, later on in this episode, I will address the Cowboys a little further, but I, I laughed a little bit because I mean, obviously like the 49ers have, you know, Purdy, they've got kind of their guy. Um, but you look at how their season ended last year where they just ran out of quarterbacks. Like they were just, you know, due to injuries, they were struggling to just put a quarterback on the field in the playoffs. And ultimately the Eagles ended up beating them, but you just kind of laugh at a team that struggled to have quarterback depth, get rid of, you know, a quarterback. But I do think for the Cowboys, this is a win, especially with Dak being Dak over the past handful of years. I think this is a good young face, very talented quarterback um, to the room. And if I was Dak, I'd be nervous. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how nervous Dak is. And Jerry Jones just doing Jerry Jones things. So who the heck knows? But for the 49ers perspective, you know, they kind of bombed on on that pick for Trey Lance. They'd moved up to get him. But obviously, they're yeah. confident in Brock Purdy. And then Sam Darnold won the job as, as their backup. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that all plays out in San Francisco. I think they're still, still stacked and people seem yeah. to like Trey Lance. So I wish him the best of luck. You know, maybe it'll be good for him to be behind Dak for a few years and, and get some, you know, just more experience from a different organization and be able to use his skills in the future on the field for another team. Absolutely. No, I'm excited to see what happens out there for sure. My final kind of note, and this is just, about teams making decisions that I didn't see coming is talking about the Cardinals. The Cardinals released Colt McCoy and they kept Kyler Murray on the pup list. So again, that means Kyler Murray will not be active for the first four games. Colt McCoy, the veteran QB presence who I really fell in love with on hard knocks and just, you know, (laughs) son of a coach. I was very impressed with him. Seemed like a good guy in the locker room. Also seemed to understand his role. Like I believe he's, I want to say 38, he's late, late 30s. So he knows he's not going to be the face of a franchise, but it seemed like he was just a good guy to have in that locker room, especially if Kyler is not going to be out on the field. What do the Cardinals do? They get rid of him. Who do they have? They have rookie Clayton Toon and Joshua Dobbs, who they traded for last week. So they're going in to the NFL season week one with a rookie and a guy they got last week. So I don't know if they're trying to tank and get uh, QB Caleb Williams from, from USC, or they just, you know, obviously we don't know what's going on in that building over there. It just seemed a little odd. Some of the decisions that they were making around their quarterback situation out there in Arizona. No, I definitely agree. I mean, we think the Patriots do some things that make us question it. Um, I, I couldn't tell you honestly what the logic is there. I mean, obviously they see something in Clayton that, Maybe we don't. I mean, obviously they're around him every day, so they obviously see something in him to trust the franchise in his hands and obviously Joshua Dobbs as well. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I mean, part of me kind of hopes it's this like got to have faith story and you just like don't see it coming and they, you know, really prove everyone wrong. But certainly not the most solid foundation to start the NFL season with, especially coming off of, Last year, I feel like this year they were looking to improve and this feels like the wrong path, but who knows, you know? 
Who knows? I did hear I did hear one person on some podcast or somewhere being like, I really don't think they're going to win a single game. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's rough. So we're, we're going to have to wait and see on that. The reality is this time yeah. we're going to have to kind of wait and see on everything. But Cardinals, big question mark for me as far as what they're doing out there with their quarterback situation. Absolutely. No, I mean, if the bar is that low, like, can't lose, right? You know, just or they can, can lose them all. <laughs> we can lose everything. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's and better then, than that. And then get a stud quarterback in the draft. So we're going to wait and see on that one. So that's, that's true. I mean, there was so much news coming out about roster cuts and switches and guys getting waived and, and some we saw coming, yep. some we didn't. Again, it'd be impossible to touch on that. But again, yep. going back to the human element of it, just want to say to the guys who, who did get cut, I was thinking about uh, what my buddy Dwayne Johnson says, The Rock. He's like that that 54 mentality where if you're that first guy cut, what are you doing now? And so hopefully some of those guys will be picked up, whether it be for practice squads or a trip in the XFL. Uh, but the dream stays alive for some of those guys. Let's hope. Absolutely. No, Bill had a really good answer in his press conference recently about just giving the guys as much heads up as he could. Um, I think that's what these days are for is those conversations with coaches that like, maybe it's not at this team, but there is the XFL, there's other teams, there's practice squads, there's plenty of opportunities. So obviously wish the best for everyone in this uncertain time of the NFL season. For sure. We're going to transition and talk a little bit about the preseason, talking about the three preseason games that we saw these teams play uh, over the last month or so. I'm going to be upfront in my stance on the preseason, which is I really don't put much weight in it. I, I like seeing backups and guys fighting for spots. I think there's some fun storylines and, and for those guys, it means a lot. And I'm not taking away from that. I'm not going to say they're meaningless games because to somebody they mean a whole lot, but I think for the organizations, they certainly find out information. They learn about those guys who are kind of bubble players. They might put some of their veterans in to just get the rust off or get the jitters out or whatever. But at the end of the day, for me, when I think preseason, I'm like, man, let's just get our starters out of here healthy, not give anything away as far as like who we got, who maybe other teams don't know about. So even like me watching the Patriots, I just, I don't get too high or too low. It's almost like I'm like, can we just get through this? And yeah, so that's my take on the preseason. No, I, I certainly agree. I feel like, you know, it's different from practice or these joint practices where you can kind of Malik Cunningham, for example, you can put him in anywhere, test him out, see what happens. And like that film is your film. But when you put him in on a preseason game as quarterback, anyone in the NFL, everyone can see what he can or can't do in that position. And you have that film that automatically goes out on your team and so there's a lot of reasons you know injuries film for teams to not play their starters and not play their main playmakers and I think for that reason like like you said like obviously there are backups fighting for their roster spot going from 90 to 53 like you really have to put everything out there but it you can't really put a lot on it because you're not gonna see these guys week one like you know you're really not gonna see a lot of these players out there um but yeah, I also don't put a whole lot of weight in them. Uh, I'm usually pretty ready for the preseason to wrap after the first game, but I do think there was definitely some exciting storylines throughout the preseason. Agreed. So let's talk about some of those storylines. This would not be an NFL podcast if we were not to mention Aaron Rodgers for at least, I would say, a third of the podcast. So I'm going to get us started with our first Aaron Rodgers take. I have plenty more to come, so just be ready for it. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers did 
take some snaps, which he hasn't typically done. Uh, I saw an interview with him where he was saying he was actually looking forward to it. New stadium, new routines. I get that. He played his entire career in Green Bay. So even just getting used to what that game day feel is going to be like in a new home locker room. Sure. I'm here for it. But it was fun to see him and Garrett Wilson connect. Uh, He had that beautiful 14-yard touchdown. Rodgers went five for eight for 47 yards on his drive, and three of those were to Garrett Wilson. So I think that the hype is true with those two. Garrett Wilson is coming off Offensive Player of the Year. Roger Wilson or um, Aaron Rodgers is obviously an MVP type quarterback so the two of them together I think are going to be electric and we saw a small glimpse of that in the game he just threw that dime it was like right over the defender's head into Garrett Wilson's hands and I was like oh baby it's happening and I hate to say that but it is happening (laughs) that's the thing I mean look it's Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers like we all kind of knew that you know he's he's not going to come into New York and lay an egg like he is going to be Aaron Rodgers and especially having Garrett Wilson as a receiver I just if I was a Jets fan I'd be really excited and as a Patriots fan I'm pretty scared because you're right you know for a preseason game you're obviously not going to have Rodgers in there I would be curious to see if he's ever had a game with lower stats than that just because you know from the outside it looks funny that he had 47 yards in the whole game but obviously preseason you're not going to play him for injuries but I mean yeah what we saw was really good and uh, it, he's the Jets are going to be scary. They're going to be scary with him in as quarterback, and I think he's fitting in with the team very easily. I think the guys have a lot of respect and love for him. I mean, even Sauce Gardner has his little handshake with him. So I think, <laughs> I think the two of them, you know, just the whole team. Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers, and it was a scary little preview of what's to come. I think. For sure, for sure. Um, the biggest storyline that I noticed came in the last game of the preseason, um, Broncos-Rams. Holy Wait, cow. Talk about a blowout. I, I, you, wouldn't, you weren't going to pay me to watch the full game originally. Like if someone had told me that the Broncos and Rams were playing preseason week three, not going to be tuning in for that. But Jared Stidham, man, mm-hmm. went 17 for 28, had a touchdown, 236 yards. Yes, sir. 236 yards. For reference, Rams had 159 in the whole game of offense. So, look, it's preseason. We've already made our disclaimer about how we feel about it, who's in. But in terms of doing your part to make your like roster spot and to earn your time during the regular season, Jared Siddham did everything he could. I mean, he had an absolute like dime of a touchdown, same as Aaron Rodgers. And just to put up 236 points, to sh- like, I think the whole game, like watching some of the recaps back on social media, it, it was crazy. I mean, Russell Wilson, obviously still out there in Denver, but I mean, I it's, would be nervous. It's nice I'd to know you, you have Stidham. You know, I know Russ has that big yeah. contract, but, I, you know, I like Jared Stidham when he was here. I think that, you know, and he's yeah. proven that he's more than serviceable when his number gets called. So yeah, I saw that. I didn't watch that game, but I did see the score and I was like, what happened here? Well, Jared well, well, exactly. And I think a funny question I wanted to ask you that I noticed was, so teams always post the final score after the game or whatever. Should the Rams have posted the final score considering they went 0-3 in the preseason and got absolutely stomped in this last game? 
You got to do it. You got to you got to have some accountability. Maybe turn <laughs> off the comments on that post, but I think you can't pick and choose your battles. Yeah. You got to you got to post it. Unfortunately. Yeah. That cuz that's where I saw it first was their post and I was like Oh no. It's <laughs> tough. It's that a tough is. day to be on the content team for the Rams. Yeah, and there. you're like, I got to put something out. There's no nothing good. <laughs> oh man. All right, the my picture next... was like the offensive line, so, you know, maybe yeah. something. Always show love to the O-line, always. Absolutely. All right, my next story out of preseason, uh, looking at the Buccaneers quarterback situation. They once had a yep. quarterback named Mr. Tom Brady. <laughs> we, we used to as well. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. But, um, but I think, man, it's just tough trying to follow in those footsteps. And so Baker Mayfield ended up beating out Kyle Trask and admitted that he is not Tom Brady, which I respect that. So I'm going to read a quote that Baker had. He said, I've always been myself. That's kind of why people either love or hate me. So I do it my own way and I enjoy doing it. I have fun while I'm doing it. I respect Brady completely, but I'm not going to ever try and be him. I'm not built like him. I don't play like him. So just, yeah, try to be the best version of myself. And to me, I was like, good for you, shake and bake, because you're not Tom Brady. Nobody is yeah. – it's not fair to compare any quarterback to Tom Brady because yep. he's the GOAT besides Allison Cahill. The male GOAT of course. is Tom Brady. <laughs> so I, uh -huh. I liked that Baker came out and said that and, and kind of just put it out there what everybody was thinking. Like, I'm not built like him. I think physically, obviously not built like him, but nobody is built like Tom Brady mentally his preparation all of those things and and so to have to follow that I think is a tough order um I actually like Baker Mayfield you know I think he's like he said he's, he's fun like he is what he is he's not necessarily trying to be anything else he seems like like I guess he said it best himself he's fun he is who he is and I respect that about him and I also really respect him being like hey this is who I am and I'm not Tom no, absolutely. I mean, look, Mac Jones has faced it so much in his NFL career because, again, you're following that legacy. Like, you're stepping into that. Obviously, the Patriots had Cam Newton as well. But, like, I respect him for saying that because that kind of puts the pin in it. Like, stop asking the question. Like, I am me. I am not Tom Brady. And I like him, too. I mean, I think, you know, he obviously made a name for himself in college with all of the rivalry stuff and everything like I think he's a fantastic quarterback and I think he deserved the spot to be honest I mean I don't know exactly how the Buccaneers season is going to play out obviously shifting from Brady to him that is I would argue quite the drop but I do think Baker is prepared to lead the team and I think he showed that and he earned the spot so I respect him for being like yeah I'm not Tom Brady but I'm me and I'm gonna do the best job that I can do I think that was a very respectful answer like For what sure. else could he say you know um I will say my my next big point on the preseason which kind of goes back to our point of you know how much stock do you put in these games I thought injuries were something to point out obviously you're not playing your starters because you don't want people you know them to get injured but you are putting your team out there and injuries are inevitable in football and we had two games that were suspended because of serious injuries. And one of those being Isaiah Bolden with the Patriots in the Packers game. And then the other one being uh, Daywood Davis with the Dolphins in the Dolphins-Jags game. And I think, look, obviously, complete correct call to suspend those games when that happened. There's no reason to play the last 10 minutes of a fourth quarter in a preseason game like that when 
your team has to witness something as serious as they did. I think like that's the toughest part. And I think it begs the question, like is three preseason games too much risk on your team? Like, obviously you need the reps, you need the practice. These guys that are on the bubble need that chance to prove themselves. But when you have your training camp and you have all of the spring, you know, is three too many? Because at the end of the day, like if that was a regular season game, you know, the Packers were kind of moving downfield and they're only down three points. So, you know, they're going to try, they're going to try anything they can to score and win that game. But, you know, obviously preseason, they're like, it doesn't matter. It's fine if we lose because it doesn't mean anything. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. But, you know, obviously the NFL has their rules with 20 games. So you lose a preseason game, you're gaining a regular season game and there's a domino effect of the impact. But, you know, the risk of the injury, is that worth it for three preseason games? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not a huge fan of preseason as a fan. I, I don't actually know if I would be a huge fan of preseason as an NFL player either for the reasons that you talked about. I think if you're a starter, it seems like it'd be a weird situation. Like you're st- you're there watching these guys, like you're getting ready, like you're getting up, but are you really getting up? Because you know you're not going in, you know it doesn't matter. So there's like a weird dynamic there. And yeah. I'll say the injury is heartbreaking. Like you don't want to see anybody go out like that. It is the game of football. It's a violent game and, and things happen. But like you're saying, is it is it worth it in the preseason? I love the idea of joint practices. To me, it seems yeah. like you can get a lot of really good work against, you know, you can have ones versus ones at joint practices. You can do something like a scrimmage type like we do at the high school level where it's like, hey, we're going to take 10 offensive plays then you guys are going to take 10 offensive plays. So it's not necessarily a scored game, but it gives you that like in-game simulation where you can really see your guys go to work. At the end of the day, is anything ever going to be the same level as an actual competitive game? No. You could argue, though, are preseason games actual competitive games? Because I think there's so many like mind yeah. games and different things that are, being, are, are going on in there. Um, so I don't have an answer. I just, you know... It, it sucks. It sucks to see those guys go out in a preseason, especially guys who are fighting for a roster spot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, even the NFL kind of has that answer because, you know, it's tough, like as fans, as employees, as players, like there's certainly reason against it, but there's also reason for it. You know, you got to get that practice in. And from coaches perspective, like coaching a game versus coaching a practice is completely different. So mm-hmm. I think having the reps, is important but like you said it really is heartbreaking to see players go down like that in such serious ways I feel like especially since DeMar Hamlin last season like we've just seen a little bit more of those kind of injuries and it's I you know even as an employee like I was heartbroken didn't even know how to like function like watching that seeing someone especially also 23 years old um Isaiah Bolden is the same age as me so sometimes seeing that too is just it kind of it, it's shocking. Like you don't even know how to process it. So I'm glad that, you know, Bill and obviously um, the Dolphins and the Jags, they all made the right call to suspend the games because there's no point to finish it. But I think that's definitely a huge storyline to think about with the preseason. Right. And like you said, I, I like a lot of things. I don't think there's a set answer. I'm going to give my yeah. last preseason takeaway. So this can be the last one I go over and that's Kenny Pickett. I thought <laughs> Kenny Pickett from everything I saw balled out. It seems like he was one yeah. of the big wins, uh, winners of the preseason as far as what he showed. Again, not getting all the reps out there, but when he was out there, he looked like a number one guy. Again, it's preseason, so maybe he's not going against once. There's so many things, but you can only play the people who are in front of you. 
And the people who yep. like he was playing against, he looked darn good at. So he led the Steelers offense to five touchdowns on five preseason drives. That's 100%, baby. You can't get better yeah. than that. Uh, so that's, that's some Allison Cahill numbers right uh, there. Right? Looking for perfection <laughs> always. Uh, his passing was a huge part of that. He went 13 for 15 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So that was good for 13.3 yards per attempt and a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating. Look, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, like they're out there earning their spot. And I think like you can only work with what you're given. And just like Jared Stidham, I think Kenny Pickett really ran away with that game. Um, I mean, just to put up the 200 yards, like the touchdowns, everything, like regardless of who you're going against, like it's the National Football League. You're not playing complete scrums. Like mm -hmm. even the, the three and four guys are still National Football players. So I think the Steelers are in very good hands with Kenny Pickett. And I think he does have a bright future, at least this season. I'm, I hate saying this, but I am excited to watch him with the Steelers. I, you know, I think they're kind of in that same boat as the Pats with like, how do you move on from your legendary guy that you've had, you know? And I, I think like, obviously they've had a little bit of time to kind of figure that out, but I think Kenny Pickett, he's him. He's the guy. I think he Bold really statement. showed himself. He's him. No. Bates ready to get her terrible towel out and just start going to town over no. Kenny Pickett right now. Yeah, no, the only towel I have is a South Carolina rally towel. You're okay. not going to catch me with All anything right. yellow. All right, uh, so that's our, that's our preseason wrap-up. Anything else, Faith, you want to touch on about preseason games, what we saw coming out? Um, I think quick note, just quick note, like I didn't get to catch a lot of the Carolina Panthers preseason, but I obviously was keeping up with it from afar. And I'm a little nervous for Bryce Young, if I'm honest. I think each game he got better, and I have no doubt in his skill and his ability. But first couple games, he was getting hit a lot. And the yeah, their O line seeing, needs some work, I think. Yes, and I mean, like he, despite all of that, still got better with each game. I mean, his last game with over the Lions, when he was seven for twelve. 73 yards and had a 16 yard touchdown dime to Adam Thielen. I think the two of them are going to have a lot of chemistry that's going to keep growing this season, but the offensive line, like right. I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know, going into this regular season, but I mean, in terms of his knowledge, I think Bryce Young is going to be Bryce Young. I just hope that he can stay healthy. For sure. Yeah, I would talk about Bryce a little bit later because I'm a big Bryce Young fan. But same same things that made you nervous made me nervous. Um, he was getting hit. He is a smaller guy. It's not like it's the first time he's been hit. He's always been a smaller guy playing football. But I think the yeah. O-line in there, Carolina, Carolina needs some help. Uh, their wide receivers, you mentioned Thielen. I think I really like Adam Thielen. I think that he's probably not as fast as he once was. Um, yeah. And then they have the rookie Mingo, who I think is going to be good, but is just not quite developed yet. So I'm optimistic for Bryce, but I think that they need to dial in some of those pieces offensively. And it, I'm not putting – so basically I'm saying I'm not putting this on Bryce. I thought Bryce – was making yeah. good decisions. I thought he remained poised. He, you know, he did some good stuff, but the pieces around him need to elevate in order to allow Bryce Young to do what Bryce Young is going to be capable of, which I think is a lot. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I feel like under the circumstances in the situation, he did exactly what he needed to do. He got better each game. His stats improved. I think, like you said, those elements around him need to support that and need to encourage that and not put him in harm's way and or just kind of give him 
he needs those receivers to go to. And so I, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. For sure. All right. So that's the preseason. We also had a very long offseason. Luckily, yes. we were around the Boston Renegades, WFA, and women's football. So but football never stopped. <laughs> the men were not playing, but there was a lot of storylines that went down. So Faith and I are going to do a little league roundup, and each of us are going to pick three stories that we kind of started to see develop over the offseason and now turning into the regular season. We're excited to see how those develop. So this is a league roundup going over really the entire offseason going into the regular season. So I'm going to start us off with a topic near and dear to my heart. We're really? Talk about running backs. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> so running backs, I think, was a huge storyline. Or maybe I'm just more dialed into it as a running back. But I think in the offseason, we heard a lot of talk about running backs, what impact that they have on the game, uh, what their value is, them getting paid or in the case of several of these guys, not getting paid what they thought they deserved. And so going into the season, I'm really looking at how do these running backs prove their worth? How do they show that they impact the game? Um, and yeah. is that going to make a difference or they can continue to be devalued? So I think obviously the league as a whole has moved more and more to this kind of pass happy approach. And so obviously we always value quarterbacks. We value receivers. Uh, but I think running backs in some ways become more disposable or they look at somebody, Hey, they're just kind of a plug and play guy that we can put anybody in there. You know, we see these guys putting a ton of mileage and wear and tear on their body in their rookie contracts. And then it goes time for that second contract and they're not getting the money because ownership is looking at them and being like, dude, you have a lot of wear and tear on you. We've kind of used you up and now we can go get another rookie to just do what you already do. And I see the business side of that to, to you know, the NFL is a business. Yeah. I'm not naive to that, but like we were saying about the 53-man roster, there is a human element to all things and, and including this one. So I just found that really interesting. The couple points to dive into this even more one talking about the actual money behind it so there's three yep. guys running backs this season i think we're at the kind of top of lists that we're talking about who just felt like they weren't valued and getting paid by their organizations the first one i'm talking about is saquon barkley so if you remember there was a point in time where they were really not going to pay him over there um in giants land and last year <laughs> he played in 16 games he totaled 1,650 yards. He helped the Giants make the playoffs. And he made $7.2 million. He ended up signing. He got $10 million. So he did get signed. But there was a point there where it felt like maybe he wasn't or there was like really kind of going back and forth about if he was worth that. To me, Saquon Barkley is at the heart of that Giants team. Yeah. Like, and, and you're not going to pay the guy. So I thought that was yeah. really interesting. The second guy that came up, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. He led the NFL in rushing in total yards last year. He had three more yards than Saquon. He had <laughs> 1,653 yards, uh, which was the second most in Raiders or franchise history. And he made the Pro Bowl. He did that while making, quote, just $2.1 million in his base salary. He ended up, I also, I didn't think he was going to get a contract. I was really like not sure what was going to happen. He did just end up signing for $12 million. 
uh, with incentives that could bounce him up to $14 million, which is a lot of money. But again, he had to go through that process of showing his worth. This is the best running back in the league, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, And still they weren't initially willing to pay him and they had to go back, back and forth on it. And the third guy, Jonathan Taylor, unfortunately, Indianapolis, they still haven't been able to figure out what to do with him. They put him on the pup list. He's not going to play or be uh, able to play for the first four games of the season. Who knows if he'll end up being in a longer dispute with them. And that to me is one that, that seems kind of crazy because all reports say that Jonathan Taylor is a really good locker room guy. Now, is that worth millions of dollars? I don't know, but it seems like Jim Irsay could pay him. Again, this is just what I'm hearing. I don't know him, but it's almost like they've just kind of gotten like this headbutting match and he's kind of digging his heels in the ground and saying, no, we're not going to pay him. And again, it's a business. Maybe they feel like the next guy up can do the job. But what about the guys in the locker room? Even if you... yeah or an NFL player and you understand and you're like, get like, Hey, this is a business. The team's got to do what's best for the team. There has to be some part of you that look is looking at your guy who is putting it on the line for you every week and is just getting treated in a way that seems kind of shady. Again, I'm not there, but this is like the reports that I'm saying. I'm like, man, if this was my teammate and he's, he's like really put our team on his back and he's doing all these things and they're not willing to pay him which seems like a reasonable amount of money comparatively in the league, it just doesn't seem to sit right with me. Um, and running backs as a whole still on this pay thing, on average, you ready for this, Faith? Running oh, backs currently make $1.8 million a season. I get paid $0 a season, so I'm not saying that that's <laughs> no money, but the only position that running backs make more than are long snappers who make $1.069 million, punters who make $1.52 million, and fullbacks who make $1.724 million. The average kicker in the NFL out-earns running backs, and they make $2.196 million a season. So to me, it's just crazy. And it comes back to the question, why don't owners want to pay them for the huge impact that running backs have on the game. And I think it, again, it comes down to, yes, they're putting wear and tear on their body. They're run down. They feel like we can get the next guy up and kind of plug and play with younger guys just coming out who have less mileage on them. Um, So these guys are working hard, but feeling like they're not getting compensated for it. One thing I really like to see was this was, um, was that I felt like a lot of the running backs kind of came together over this issue, specifically when when Saquon was going through his uh, his kind of bickering back and forth with the Giants organization. And there was a Zoom call. And apparently Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, a lot of the like big backs in the league got together and they had this Zoom call to, to support Saquon and talk about what they could do going forward to make sure that they felt like they were getting compensated for the work and impact on the game that they had. So if you don't mind, Faith, I'm going to read a couple (laughs) tweets that running backs in the league had in response to these negotiations that Saquon, and I think just in general, the running back market was going through. Derrick Henry said, at this point, just take the running back position out the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. Christian McCaffrey said, it's criminal. That was talking about Saquon, what they were doing with him. Austin Eckler, 
He said, this is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. And finally, Najee Harris tweeted, I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL. History will show you that you need running backs to win. We set the tone every game and run through walls for our team and lead in many ways. This notion that we deserve less is a joke. And I'm with Najee. I'm with all those guys. I love that they kind of banded together and stuck up for somebody in their position because, you know, I heard Derrick Henry talking about, you know, this isn't really going to impact me. I'm looking out for the next crop of guys and to make sure that we're getting valued and paid the way we should. Do I have a solution? No. Do I understand it's a business? Yes. But like all things, I just think you can't take the human element out of it. I can't. I I think that like Najee said, it's like running backs oftentimes set the tone. Like they're going in there, like through the big guys, putting their bodies on the line. All football players are, but uh, running backs, I I feel like in a special way are just like willing to do that. And, And so to do all of that work and to really at the end of that, you're not only not getting rewarded for it, you're getting penalized for it because owners are looking at you and saying like, oh, well, now you have more wear and tear on your body, so we don't want to give you a contract. And you're like, but I did this for the team. I did this for my guys. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of hard. You know, it's hard to see just the business side of it when I think it goes beyond that. And the last point I want to add on this, because I'm looking at the season and I'm saying, how are running backs this year in the NFL going to prove their worth? How are they going to, after the offseason that they had, and we tweet, but tweets are talks. How are you going to show it on the field? And I think yeah. that running backs need to be able to show that they can not just run, but they can block, that they can catch. If you look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who is the highest paid running back in the NFL at $16 million, I think he is somebody that a lot of these backs should be trying to aspire to be like, because he can do all those things. And he is a great pass catcher and so he not only can do those you know typical running back things but Shanahan puts him in different positions and he has the skill set to do those so not everybody can be Christian McCaffrey not everybody is going to have the physical build of Derrick Henry but what can you do to separate yourself and again it's not just the running but it's the ability to block to catch and um and lead your team so hopefully my hope obviously as a running back is that um the organizations start to value those guys more because I think their teammates do value them. And I know that the fans value them. So hopefully they get compensated adequately and show their worth this season. Look, I don't know what I could possibly add to make that point any better. Um, But you're absolutely right. I feel like there was a huge narrative around the draft with just why would the Falcons draft Bijan Robinson? It's like, why would you do that? And he's the number one running back in the whole draft. I'm so so excited to watch him play. Yes, me too. And and I feel like he has so much worth. And like you said, like the running back position, like when you break down football to its basic form, like you're trying to get 10 yards. All right. You're trying to get those 10 yards and nine times out of 10, you're going to start with that run play to cut that 10 yards into six yards or five yards or whatever. And so like, if you think about basic fundamental football, like you need running backs to get you in those positions that you can take those dime shots down the field and hope for the best. Like, but you can't do that on first down every time. Like you need to have those running backs that are getting you into that field position that makes you comfortable enough to throw the ball downfield. And I think you're absolutely right. Like they deserve to be paid for what they are doing. And it's tough because I mean, 
they are laying their bodies out in the line. I mean, obviously, again, every position does, but, you know, there is a lot of injuries. Like, I look back, you know, and I think about the running backs that have gone through the Patriots organization. You look at someone like Damian Harris, for example, who was a stud for our team and did so many great things and had so many great seasons. And then this past season just kind of wrestled with a hamstring thing and just was never fully healthy enough to perform. Now he's on the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, I think for some reason, you know, running backs, their injuries seem to get weighed so much that they aren't compensated for the work that they're doing. And it would be like, you know, penalizing an offensive lineman for being, you know, beat up. It's like, well, that's the job. Like, that's right. what you're doing. And I think, like you said, I think it's an interesting storyline. And I love seeing running backs in the league band together, just like tight ends have been, you know, banding together for their tight end you. Like, I think I want to go to there's tight a great end community. I know. <laughs> Can we get in? It looks so is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it does. But like, you know, I think that's a huge part of the league is those dynamics. And just like you said, the human element, like mm. they are contributing so much to the team and not to say that the long snapper and the punter and the kicker aren't, but the running backs are contributing more. I, I would definitely argue that they are making more of an impact on the field in every game and they deserve to get paid for it. And thankfully, you know, Saquon got kind of what he deserved in that sense. And some of these storylines have a happy ending, but it does suck that they have to fight more after proving that they are good at what they're doing you know like these are the top running backs in the league you're not talking about the bottom tier guys so so i said i think it's gonna be a good year for running backs faith yeah well it certainly was for the boston renegades (laughs) (laughs) um my first kind of league roundup point uh going into this season is the Bengals. okay i am hoping for their revenge tour 2.0 Um, obviously I think Joe Burrow is kind of fascinating to study through his NFL career. You have someone who came off a national championship, goes into his rookie season, tears his ACL. They kind of flopped that season. The Bengals are still doing what the Bengals were doing at that time. And, um, then he's healthy enough. They turn around and they only lose by three points in the Super Bowl to the Rams. So I think, you know, obviously Joe Burrow is a very talented quarterback. I think the Bengals have a lot of things going for them with, you know, Jamar Chase. Like they've got all of those pieces, I think, in their offense. And they've only fallen a little bit short the past few years, obviously, in the Super Bowl. And then in 2022, you know, I think their their biggest storyline is can they beat the Bills and the Chiefs? Like, you know, obviously going into this season, new year, I think the Chiefs are still um, you know, very talented and still, you know, come out for their Super Bowl win. But like, can Joe Burrow take down Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? That is Shoot, can not he even easy. take down his own that, Yes. I, and like can he even take on down his own division? Last year they split the entire division. They'd win, they'd lose. They'd win, they'd lose. So like I think the Bengals have it and like their revenge tour last year, I wanted it for him so bad, but I feel like they fell just a little bit short. And obviously the margin of error in the NFL playoffs is this big approximately, but I hope for a wrench tour 2.0 with the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, I think the Bengals are like, they're cool. Like I want them to do well, but like mm-hmm. you're saying you look at like, okay, so what does it mean to go on your revenge tour and to like do work? You got to beat the chiefs. 
You got to beat the bills. You got to do these things consistently over and over and over again. So, yeah, I don't know. I I just, like, there's so many – there's a handful of teams at the top that when you look at, you're just like, man, these these teams are stacked. They're, like, they're definitely going to go – to the Super Bowl, or at least to the to the AFC NFC championships. But then you look at like there's, I feel like that top kind of echelon of teams, like there's yeah. there's too many for the spots that are in the championship game. So I'm excited. I, yeah, I'm I like the Bengals. I think that they're really fun to watch. You know, I think that um, Burrow. I know he had his little tweak in preseason. I'm not worried about that. I think he's going to be fine, of course, and and they're going to just go out and ball. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. Absolutely. And who doesn't love Joe Burrow, right? Somebody. I like him. (laughs) All right. My next, uh, my next kind of thing I want to talk about that uh, storylines from the off season now carrying over into the regular season football. Let's be honest. It starts with the quarterback. So there's three quarterbacks with expectations that I want to talk about. All quarterbacks have expectations. Like I was thinking about all the quarterbacks in the league. I'm like, man, I could talk about all these guys and the expectations that they have and the off seasons that they had. But I chose three, one as promised Aaron Rodgers, because we haven't talked about Aaron <laughs> enough. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is the oldest player in the national football league. As of today, it is August 30th. When I'm saying this, he is 39 years and 271 days old. Just a, just a pup. But it's a Falco NFL, fun fact. But in NFL years, that's pretty old. So I'm curious to see, yeah. you know, him going from the Packers to the Jets, what that's going to look like. I think it's fascinating that he went on this darkness retreat. He goes in it for four <laughs> days in the darkness. Who yeah. knows what's happening in there? But he comes out and he says, I want to play for the Jets. He manifested it. He came out. He said, I want to play for the Jets. I watched an interview with him where he's like, so I came out and said that. And then I just kind of waited till it happened. So that is mind blowing to me. Honestly, for me, it's like, I got to up my manifestation powers. Like I want to go sit in the darkness for four days, come out and be like, I'm going to be a billionaire. Let's just wait it out. And then all of a sudden it's going to happen. But, um, I love that. I just think that that's kind of like a, a, a funny storyline from Aaron, but also I, of course, have been watching Hard Knocks, and he is a leader. It seems like he has the team rallied around him. Like, he's sitting with different guys at Absolutely. lunch. He took a big pay cut, which, again, there's a human component to this. If you're in that locker room and you know that Aaron Rodgers decided that he wanted to come to the Jets, and now he, like, is taking a pay cut, so that he can get guys around him. They signed Dalvin Cook. Like we talked about, they have Garrett Wilson. Like they have a lot of these pieces. And more than yep. the pieces, I think that they have a belief. And that can go a really yes. long way in sport. And I know that we're keeping this a clean podcast. And I don't want to offend <laughs> Faith's mom. But I also think that Aaron Rodgers has this FU mentality right now. And I mean that yeah. as the greatest compliment. And to me, an FU mentality doesn't have to even be directed at a specific person or organization. To me, an FU mentality is when you're just like, I'm going to put in the work. I have a belief in myself that I'm going to go out and do exactly what I need to dominate. And I think that Aaron Rodgers has that. And I think that the Jets see that and that belief in him and the belief in the system is what's going to make them actually really fun to watch this year. So huge expectations for Aaron Rodgers. 
and we'll see if he lives up to it preseason in his one drive. He looked good. So it'll be interesting to see my second quarterback that I'm interested in. We already talked about is Bryce young. So I'm an Alabama fan. So I watched Bryce young under Nick Saban roll tad roll win a Heisman. (laughs) And he just does things and makes decisions that are super impressive. I also last week downloaded Tubi and watched 10 episodes. I think it was 10 episodes. It was a blur because I watched them real fast of QB1, <laughs> which followed Bryce Young through his high school, uh, his senior year um, at Modern Day, which is like the number one high school football program in the year. So if you watch him in high school, you can already see him making the set decisions and having this maturity and this, I don't want to say swagger, but like just confidence in what he's doing. That was really fun to watch. He was the number one pick by Carolina. He's with Frank Reich, who is like supposedly this quarterback whisperer. I don't know if he is or not, but that's the reputation that he has. But the the knock on Bryce, like we talked about, is he's small. He's five foot 10, 204 pounds, but smart. My question is, yeah. is that intelligence enough? Here's a Falco fun fact for you. He scored a 98 on the S2 cognitive test, which evaluates an athlete's ability to successfully process information. So pretty darn good. Not 100%. I mean, only a 98. Only a 98. But he's off his his rate of of ability to process what he's seeing on the field and make decisions. I actually think we already saw that in the preseason. Again, because of the O-line, I think that he was getting hit. But he wasn't making bad decisions. He made some throws where he was anticipating things that he was going to see and processing it that fast. And again, Reich, who's supposedly this quarterback whisperer, he said that uh, Bryce Young's football IQ is on par with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. So that's good company to be in, I think. Absolutely. I mean, look, I I think we talked about Bryce Young earlier, but I mean, he's a very, very smart QB. And I think that's what you need in your quarterback. You need someone who knows the game and knows the situations and can read the coverages and make those decisions fast. Like you don't want somebody who is taking a long time in the pocket when you only have those split seconds. Um, So no, I'm very excited to see Bryce Young and backtracking slightly. I think a whole documentary could be made on Aaron Rodgers going in the dark for four days and coming out and deciding to go to New Jersey to play for the Jets. I mean, I, I feel like if I came out and that was my realization, I'd go back in yeah. for four more days. Yeah. Like, we'd be resetting a little bit. But call your shot, dude. Like, I love that. Like, he came out, I'm yeah. going to play for the Jets. I remember when I saw that, I was like, what? Like, it wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Like, I thought he was going to retire. Like, and he says the Jets. And then bada bing, bada boom, he's playing on the Jets. I'm like, bro, I have stuff to learn about manifesting what you (laughs) want and and saying it into the world. So I want to be a millionaire. (laughs) Billionaire. Go go be in the dark for four days and it'll happen. I would do it. Um, Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers, Bryce Young, the last quarterback I want to talk about with expectations. I'm shocked we haven't talked about him. We talked about Jared Stidham, but we really didn't talk about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson... I think wins the award for athlete who has gotten trolled the most in the past 12 months. Like I feel for him. I wonder if he can bounce back. I give him a lot of credit for seemingly putting a lot of work in on his body and, and you know, his, he's always been really big into the mind, mind stuff. Um, 
he had a, I actually read a book with him and Trevor Moad who passed away a few years ago, but really big into the mindset. And so I think he can, I think he can bounce back from all of the trolling. He's going into year 12. He's got a new baby on the way. So he's, he certainly has some perspective. And um, I think with Sean Payton there, Sean Payton is there for one reason, and that's to write this train. They paid yes. Russell Wilson so much money. He is under contract for seven years for a total of $296 million. And I think last year that was one of the biggest busts that we've seen in a long time for a yeah. guy with that type of contract. And so Sean Payton there is to write is there to write that train. Going back to how much money, $296 million. When I heard that number, I was like, that's a lot of money. Who the heck is paying that? I'll yep. tell you. Rob Walton, whose <laughs> net worth is $65 billion. So to Rob Walton and the Walmart family, uh, that might be a drop in the bucket for them. I don't really know. But I think for fans of Denver yep. and for fans of Russell Wilson, they're expecting more and they want to see more this year. Sean Payton, really interesting. He came out and said that uh, Hackett, the coach Hackett last year, had one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. I wonder if that statement uh. hurt. Russ and the Broncos or help them if he was like trying to build up um, Russell's confidence by trashing the coach from last year. Just that, that was, um, that was a little odd for me. They say that Sean Payton, everything is calculated. So he must've had some sort of rhyme or reason behind that, or he just maybe said it off the cuff. I don't know, but at the end of the day, I'm just curious how that all plays out there in Denver. Uh, Is there potential for him to get benched? Jared Stidham is there. Like you said, he had 236 yards in the first half for the Rams in a preseason game. So I yeah. think that also puts the pressure on Russ. To, and I don't think that Sean Payton would would be afraid to sit him if he got to the situation yeah. where it needed to be. But I also am optimistic in not only Payton's ability to, you know, go in and change the culture around kind of maybe some of the reports that were coming out that Russell did, but also just change some of the schemes to put Russell in a better situation to cook. And I think maybe we weren't aware or really realized how much Pete Carroll was doing that for him in Seattle, like putting him in a position to be yeah. successful on the field. So hopefully Sean Payton can write that train. Look, I the only thing I think of when I think of Russell Wilson is all of the trolls, all of the memes, his subway commercial. I mean, the poor guy, like, like we've said earlier in the show, like there is that human element to it. And like, at the end of the day, he is a NFL quarterback who had taken, you know, the Seahawks pretty far. I mean, obviously they kind of, the train kind of fell off the rails as, you know, as years went on, but I'm excited to see what Sean Payton can do. I think he's a fantastic head coach with a lot of knowledge and skill and can develop, you know, can help Russell Wilson, I think in that scenario. But I mean, you know, if you are Russell Wilson and you're watching Jared Sidham do what he was doing in the preseason, like it's make or break, I think. And I think that's, the case in the league in general but you know can he bounce back in year 12 or you know is it Jared Siddham's time to actually be QB1 so I think it's definitely interesting to see how he's going to turn that around if he can what happens um but I do feel for the guy Mm. I feel like everyone's a little it just kind of takes the brunt of everything and I I do feel bad I feel bad but I mean 296 million dollars makes me feel less bad that's true. I'd I'd get paid that money and get trolled on the internet. That's I get fine. trolled on the and, internet anyway, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. Zero. So not making the yeah, yeah, not making the millions. 
Um, my next point, pivoting a little bit, but sticking, you know, in the division, we're going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. So I am a Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh McDaniels fan as former Patriots, of course. Um, but I'm excited to see them together. They've got Jacoby Myers, who, if you flash back a little bit to the 2022 season, obviously had some, an interesting moment in Vegas. Um, one of the craziest moments I think I've ever witnessed on live television, but um, I don't know. I'm excited about the Raiders. I think that they kind of have those pieces together. I think obviously um, Garoppolo and Josh McDaniels have a long history together, working together with the Patriots. Um, but I think when you've got Devonte Adams, you have Josh Jacobs, like there's all the pieces there. And I think, you know, they finished six and 11, which when you're in a division with the chiefs, like you can't, that's unacceptable. You're not going to be competing for anything. Um, and obviously the chiefs will still do what the chiefs do, but I do think there's a lot of good pieces in Las Vegas and I'm excited to see how it comes together. And honestly, as someone who is a personal fan of Jacoby Myers, in spite of everything that happened last year, um, I hope that he flourishes out in Vegas and I hope that they have a good season. Um, but I'm excited to see, I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think, you know, under the coaching of Josh McDaniels, I think they've got all the pieces that they need to be successful, and I'm kind of excited to see how it comes together. And Tom Brady was, like, lingering around there, you know? Uh, so yeah. it's like, you're talking about the New England connections. I feel like it's, it's seemingly so never-endless. So, yeah, I'm excited to see them. I, too, am a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I love him. Former Patriot. I yeah. mean, ah. Uh. Good guy. Good guy. Speaking of Patriots. Speaking of the Patriots, <laughs> my final um, offseason going into the preseason, looking at the league, I'm going to look specifically at the Patriots because, like I said, I, I can't be unbiased. And I will go on record once again saying I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl because I say that every year because that's what a diehard fan does. You have hope. Yep. You have faith. <laughs> so... <laughs> so um, uh, if that discredits everything else, I say I get it, but I do, I do, you know, I'm always optimistic about the Patriots. And I'm extra optimistic because I had the opportunity to chat with Robert Kraft uh, when they invited the Renegades out to one of the preseason games and we were on the field. And when I say chat, it was like a three-sentence conversation. But that conversation was enough for me because Mr. Kraft told me that the Patriots are going to be better than people expected. I'm expecting a Super Bowl, so it sounds great to me. Uh, and I, <laughs> I shared good championship energy with him uh, as a renegade just coming off our national championship. So Robert Kraft believes, I believe, and here's why I believe, because I think Bill O'Brien is one of the biggest pickups in the offseason. This is a bold statement for any team. Because I think last year, the offensive coordinating with Matt Patricia was so head-scratchingly frustrating like I'm being yeah. nice again I'm trying to keep it PG for your mom <laughs> but I, I will say I think having Bill O'Brien there uh instead of Matt yeah. Patricia again not trying to hit on Matt Patricia it just didn't make sense if you're a Patriots man watching last year you were kind of like yeah. what is going on and I think for sure. Bill O'Brien Bill O'Brien uh is really re well respected uh pro football focus actually recently ranked O'Brien as the third best offensive coordinator only behind Ben Johnson of the Lions and Kellen Moore of the Chargers. And they said, O'Brien, the coach is excellent. So if you don't believe me, there's somebody to believe. So I think that he's going to 
like we were talking about Russell Wilson, it's like you have to put these guys in positions to be successful. You have to look at the Absolutely. personnel that you have, what their skill sets are, what they can do, have an offensive mind, which will be nice with Bill O'Brien. And I think that he's going to do that. I also think the the Patriots offense, we picked up some guys. Like we have Ramondre Stevenson. We put pick big pickup in Zeke. I'm ready to eat. Yep. I'm always ready to eat. I know my guy Zeke's <laughs> ready go. to eat. Let's go. So I think we have that running back duo. I think right now we only have two running backs signed. Uh, we being the yeah. Patriots on our roster. So that'll be interesting. But I do think that's a really good one-two punch. We have Devontae Parker. We have Bourne. I know Thornton is injured right now, but he should be back later in the season. Yep. We have Hunter Henry. We picked up Juju, who... I, I'm optimistic about him. I've seen him do some fun things on the football field, so I think that he could light a little spark. And then we got Gasecki, and that man can dance. And, uh, yeah. and that holds <laughs> a lot of weight for, for me. So I, I mentioned all those players because as you say those players, you're like, oh, I actually recognize some of these names. I think that's the key. <laughs> that right there is the whole key. Is like you hear the names and like, you know, even people who don't keep up with the NFL are like, oh, I know that guy. Like, even if it's from TikTok or the Gritty or whatever, like, they're recognizable names. And I think Bill has always had a theme about, you know, you, they make the nobodies into somebodies. And that works. So, you know, it obviously worked over the last 20 years. And, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, Bill Belichick knows exactly what he's doing with this football team. But it is refreshing as a fan to be like, I know that guy. Mm -hmm. I can tell, like that this is somebody that has made a name for themselves in the league and other teams, and now they're on my team and can hopefully continue that. I think that's a huge point. And because they've done things and we can see like, okay, they have a history of being successful at this. I think Bill O'Brien, the coach, can see that, as can Belichick, and say, okay, how can yeah. we use that? How can we put packages together? How can we put up drop plays? And I think Mac is a really good quarterback. Again, I know yeah. I'm very skewed from being an Alabama fan, <laughs> but I think that he also processes information well. I think that he makes good decisions, and I think if we are putting in better say, uh, plays and have a little bit more consistent and elevated offensive play calling, we're going to see a totally different offense this year. My only negative is I just think the line right now has a lot of question marks. <laughs> and, and unfortunately... Oh, yeah. Unless that gets figured out, all those things I just said yeah. don't matter. We know I like am the O-line's biggest fan on the Boston Renegades. I love the O-line. I feel like the O-line is the heart of the team. I feel like if you don't have a solid O-line, you can't do anything. And I think that the Patriots aren't there yet. And so that is my question mark. Yeah. But generally speaking, going into the season, I'm just really excited to see what the Patriots offensively are going to do. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think like you look and we've got some rookies in there, some second year and, you know, there's obviously a lot of injury, like I, same as Carolina. I'm, I'm nervous. Like I definitely can see somewhat of a repeat of last year where Mac is getting hit too much. And like that injury goes down, which again, pulled back to the whole clear the quarterback room as like, what are we doing? You know, but I think, you know, a key word in what you said is yet. Like I, I think I still have full trust in what Belichick is doing and that he, if we can see that it's lacking, he sure can. Like he's going to know exactly what needs to be done to fill those holes. So I, I'm 
I'm also excited for the Patriots season as an employee. I would love for them to win the Super Bowl. So I am all here for that. Um, and then my last point is <laughs> going to make some people probably make fun of me. Is this the Cowboys year? So hot take. So first of all, it's a question. <laughs> Second of all, I have zero stock in the Cowboys. I couldn't care less if it's never their year 15 years from now. Does not matter to me either way. Um, I have partaken in making fun of Cowboys fans and just you have to laugh at how their seasons end. You know, I just think back to the whole like time clock issue with spotting the ball and getting it to the ref and like watching a season end with Dak like rushing to the line and no one's set. And like to see seasons end like that, you, you just kind of scratch your head because this is the professional football league. And you're kind of like, how how did we get here? And how are we always here? And, you know, I think Jerry Jones has a terrible job of hyping up every single year as this is the year and then it just never is and so i i think now with trey lance in there like it is make or break for dak prescott like it has to be you can't like i think he is a good quarterback obviously like he is in the league he has done good mm -hmm. he has not done great and i think if you want to keep settling for good you keep him at qb1 but i do think Trey Lance, you know, has a lot of opportunity with the Cowboys. And again, I couldn't care less if they figure it out or not, but I'm intrigued to see if they do. If something can finally click for them. I know a girl that works in marketing for the Cowboys. So for her, I'm rooting for a little bit of success. Um, but is it their year? It's well, 23, 2023, the one. Well, Faith. I want to say again, I don't think Trey Lance is really fighting for Dak's job. I think Dak still has the job. I think it's going to be, yeah. what do I know? But I do think it's going to be interesting to, so Kellen Moore has been the offensive coordinator uh, in Dallas for the last couple of years. And since 2018, he was the quarterback coach there. So for that amount of time, he's been the guy in Dak's ear kind of, and different coaches see offenses differently. They interpret things differently. Even if it's the same playbook, they're just interpreting things differently. So he's had Kellen Moore. And now um, they move on, and now they have Mike McCarthy and, and Brian Schottenheimer there. And so I, yep. I feel like more than in any other sport, coaching matters so much. And so I'm curious to see how that coaching change impacts Dak's play. Obviously he had a lot of interceptions last year and people say, Oh, it was yeah. just an anomaly, but it would just be interesting. You know, I, 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 I'm not sure if I would put Dak in the elite camp based on, no. Yeah. Based on what we've seen the last couple of years, not even close. When you ask, is this the Cowboys year? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I think Jerry Jones more more than anybody in the universe wants something. I feel like he wants the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl, and so yes. and I think I think their fan base wants that, but I don't know if their fan base like believes because I feel like every year it's their year, but then this happens, and so yeah. Jerry Jones actually, I saw this today and it like blew my mind. The Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise in the world. At $9.2 billion. So imagine having the most valuable sports franchise in the year at $9.2 billion. And every year you're just like, could this be the year? And when you say that, you know people are going to laugh at you. Because they don't yeah. believe. Look, I, I think it's, you know, got to have faith. Always. That maybe they can figure it out. Um, but you're right. Like, Dak is not elite. 
he is not even close to being elite. Like, I'm not going to say that he is a bad quarterback because I do believe he is a good quarterback. But like I said, good does not equal great. And good does not get you a Super Bowl. And again, to have the most valuable franchise, you know, in the world. And like, I think even more than he wants that Super Bowl, he wants Dak to be the guy to do it because any other owner should have moved on from this guy by now, I feel like. And that's, you know, not a huge, nat, you know, dock at Dak. Because again, I, I do think he's a good quarterback. I just think like when that's kind of the leader of your team and that has kind of always been an issue the past few years, like I do think that him and Jerry Jones have a very strong relationship and they are trying to figure it out. I'm not going to assume that they are just sitting back watching all of these unfortunate things happen but, but but this is crazy faith jerry jones didn't reportedly tell dak or mike mccarthy that he went and got trey lance doesn't that seem insane to you that does seem insane because you would you would kind of think that they would have that brady craft you know dynamic where they would talk about things so or that's like, where i feel like there's some quarterback competition i feel like there's at least it's at least should be on the table. I don't right. think we should be disregarding it, you yeah. know, in terms of. I mean, anytime you have, you know, more than one guy in the room, unlike the Patriots who have one guy in the room, uh, you, <laughs> well, yeah. you, you Lonely know, room. There's, there's competition. And, and at the end of the day, the best guy is going to be out on the field. So who knows? It could yeah. be the Cowboys year. Yeah. Well, like I said, don't care either way, but would love to see what happens. Um, and the last league roundup thing I want to say, which is just a funny story that I didn't have in our notes, but I really wanted to tell. And hopefully it's as funny as it was to me. Let's hear it. Um, in all of this 53-man roster move around, um, there have been a lot of trades. So there's been some trades, obviously, you know, not just releasing guys and signing guys, but teams trading. Um, my friend Jay, who actually made our music, shout out to Jay Overbay, um, texted me the other day um, because he's a Saints fan and Will Lutz was traded to the Broncos and he texted me all heartbroken. You know, he said, I don't understand. Like, I like Will Lutz. He was a great kicker. He did great things for the Saints. Like, I love this guy. I can't believe we traded him. And, you know, I, I scratched my head. I was like, you know, that's a great point. Like, I think he's done so many great things for, you know, the New Orleans Saints. And I said, that would be like us trading Nick Folk. Dude, tell me why 30 minutes later Ian Rapport goes – Traded Nick Fultz to the Titans. I texted Jay immediately and I said, how did, I was like, dude, how did I, like, I didn't want this. I actually thought this was crazy. And 30 minutes later, here we are doing this. So shout out to Chad Ryland for earning the kicker spot um, as a rookie. But I, I couldn't believe I like predicted that. I mean, I tried to, you know, pull a manifesting moment and say some good things about South Carolina football, but. Yeah, I think I, I, I jinxed Nick Folk. I sent him out. The I'm door. bombed. I like Nick Folk. But you know what? Again, to a fault, I feel like we we believe in Bill Belichick. And I know that other people out there would yeah. make fun of us for that. But I always believe in the process. All right, Faith. Exactly. Well, we are over an hour. So I feel like we have a lot of things to talk about. But we're going to wrap up the show today. So next week, we're going to talk about – we're going to hear from you. And we're going to get um, some information for you about – your perspective on content, which actually is really fascinating, I think, to see what teams are doing in the offseason and how they're telling their story. And then we're going to talk about different playmakers we're excited to watch, give predictions. We're even going to predict who we think will be in the AFC and NFC uh, championships. Way too early prediction. So thank you, everybody. Faith, where can you find us and follow us? 
Yes. So we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now. So no matter where you get your podcast from, you can check us out on those two platforms. And we are also on Instagram at Playmakers Perspective. We will be posting snippets from this episode, some graphics. We'll have some Falco fun facts coming for you. Some gotta have faith moments. Um, we're big, we're big on puns over here. Um, but all the fun content, some polls, and any breaking news on our story that can all be found on Instagram. We hope that you will follow, check us out on Instagram, connect with our community, and help us build this community of Playmakers Perspective. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.